I never thought how I perceive thoughts. I never thought about categorizing thoughts, emotions, feelings. I thought the perception would be a bit zany. But maybe creatives need that something else to kind of feed their creativity. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Common Creative. It's our weekly journey to understand what it takes to be creative every day of the week. Uh, we're joined as usual by Paul for Fairweather, but our special guest this week is Camille Woods. Say hi, Camille. Hello, good to see you. We're really excited to have you on the show. Camille's a very interesting and unusual person. She's a qualified accountant. She's worked in accountancy in the mining field and so on. But these days, she's a yoga instructor. And uh, I, I hope she doesn't mind me saying it, a bit of an online personality. So there's somebody that's been through the rigors of a highly structured profession, but these days does something much more creative. And we're hoping to understand how creativity works in that kind of world where, where you understand what it takes to be rigorous and structured, but have a creative twist as well. Um, I'll do a quick recap on last week. We explored the impact of time on creativity. And my personal takeout was that Paul's metaphor that creativity is like having rechargeable batteries and it's important to top them up every week to keep that creative juice being recharged. If you don't use rechargeable batteries for a long period, they kind of go dead and it's difficult to kind of get them back into life. So I really enjoyed last week and I'm hoping we'll have a great show this week too. Paul, what was your big takeout from last week? I, I really enjoyed the conversation and look, I think it's the same for me, that idea about uh, time and energy and the fact that it's actually a bit like a hybrid car where um, you recharge by braking in one of those cars. They recharge the battery. And creativity is the same. You know, it takes energy, but it gives you energy. You know, so if you do a, a intensive creative session, you come out charged. You know, eventually you have to slow down and rest. Yeah, so it seems to be it's the perpetual creative motion machine. Uh, yeah. The more you put it, the more you get out. So uh, yeah. that's, what, that's what I've taken back. <laughs> There's no end point. It keeps going and keeps going. So, Camille, it's great to, to see you here. Now, you and I have worked together a little bit in the past. Did you tell us a little bit about yourself? How, do you describe yourself as an accountant or a yoga teacher or an online what? Tell us about Camille Woods. Sure. So, I started off in mining accounting and construction accounting. So, I was doing all the financial reports. And then I, during my annual leave, I took a meditation teacher training course and I didn't tell anyone because I thought people would think that was evidence that I hated accounting or that was evidence that, you know, I wasn't part of the team and I wasn't, uh, this wasn't my future. Or so I thought the perception would be a bit zany. And so I sort of secretly did that. And then I moved into teaching yoga and meditation to uh, people just in dropping classes. But to be honest, I missed the office. And so now I'm walking into offices in yoga pants and clearing out the meeting room and I teach yoga at the offices. And then the other part of my day is I also missed accounting. I did a whole month of teaching just hardcore yoga and I was like, um, where's my accounting? <laughs> I felt like I wasn't getting the best out of myself. So I teach accounting as well. And so half my life is teaching yoga, the other half is teaching accounting. 
So, so tell me, and forgive me for putting the question this way, but do, are you a freak? I mean, does the entire rest of the accounting world not get how somebody can wear both of these two hats? Or is every accountant a kind of creative waiting to get out? Um, gee, hard question. I think that no one's born an accountant or born an artist. I think that it's skills that you develop. And I think that you also get praised or shamed as well. So if you do branch out and do something and it doesn't land perfectly, then that delivery and that shame can kind of hold you back for ages. So I think that it's kind of that um, nurture side as well where you get disappointed or you get a little bit ashamed of yourself for branching out and trying something new. So I think a lot of it to do is to do with how you feel and whether you're doing it for yourself or whether you're doing it for validation as well. Yeah. I'd love to come on to the trigger that prompted you to try something outside of accountancy, that, that decision to go on that yoga course. But first, let's get to the nub of a lot of people have very structured jobs, whether they're accountants or lawyers or they may be people in sales or marketing. They've got a process that they have to go through. And it seems to be particularly true of accountants. Is there a role for a, for a creative in a very structured job like accountancy? Yes. So when I approach my yoga teaching, it's quite funny because I'm process oriented. And uh. so it's really weird because in some ways, stories as well are a process and art is a process. So when I approach yoga, I come up with my theme and then I, I actually use sometimes a um, software program or an Excel sheet to work out what poses I'm going to do and to make sure that it all flows. So my training in processes comes out in the yoga and um, when I teach accountants, they often really, it resonates with them because I tell them why we're doing this pose or the tradition behind the pose, why it's called that. So I've kind of done a bit of um, investigation on, you know, why should we do that or what's the point? And so that approach from accounting um, and looking at the rules and classifying as well, like classifying the yoga poses, it comes out in my classes. It's quite funny. So you're, you're suggesting that you're a kind of a more powerful creative because you've understood the, the importance of structure and process. And you can apply that to a creative thing like, like I'm assuming yoga is a creative thing, but it certainly seems a very expressive uh, quality to it. So, so you're, you're saying that the accountancy has actually helped you as a, as a yoga instructor. Well, a lot of people say, oh, accounting, that's repetitive, that's boring. But think about yoga, downward dog. If you're going to do downward dog every single time, every class, if you're going to say, breathe in, breathe out, right? That's really repetitive. That's more repetitive than doing accounting each day. So that's why I, I like to have themes. I like to mix it up because, to be honest, it can be really boring if you just stick to your um, formula. And that's not me. I don't like that. That's a really interesting idea because um, Paul and I both have a little discipline each day to, to produce a visual, something, a creative visual. And mine is a photograph, Paul's is a painting. But um, I'm not consciously picking up a theme. I have a constraint, which is I always shoot the same beach. Paul's constraint is always an everyday object. But Paul, what do you think? Maybe we should adopt themes. We should have one week should be, I don't know, a color. Another week might be something more abstract. Who knows? What, what do you think of that idea? 
I, I do. Uh, I have gone into a theme, Chris, because as I, you know, paint daily objects and household objects, I've got to rummage around. So I am trying to, uh, you know, look for themes. And I think this week's going to be tools. But I was, I was actually struck with Camille. Uh, I'm reading the book, a moment of book by David Eagleman and another fellow called um, The Runaway Species. And, and they talk about creativity in their sort of preface to the book. They talk about the things of exploiting routine and exploring new things. And so for me, I think, and I think it's the same for Chris, the routine is the daily object or the daily photo, but the exploring is finding something new. You know, if if I, I have a friend who's been painting these apple cores for about a year or something, and I, I just thought about it, just I thought it would drive me nuts. You know, he eats the apple differently every day, but it's still the same thing. I think it was Mondini was an artist who painted the same set of bowls and things every day. That would drive me totally nuts. But so I think there's two levels to it. It's the routine of just doing it, the, the habit, but then then there's that extra layer because our brains gets bored with that. Um, so it's not getting bored with yoga, but it's getting bored necessarily with the same thing. So I like that approach, you know, but for me it's the, the habit is one thing that is the routine. The other thing is, is you know, having something different uh, every time. So I'd love to go back to... That moment, it sounds like there was a moment when you qualified as an accountant and then there was a sneaky start of you says, I'm going to go on this yoga course. I'm not going to tell anyone because I dance because they'll think I'm nuts. What triggered that? What made you think, no, I'm not going to go on a course on advanced accounting or I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to do yoga. What was that about, Camille? Um, well, it started with the meditation and that was because I wanted a different way of thinking. So I read a lot of meditation books, but I didn't meditate. I read like eight meditation books and read all the scripts, but really, to be honest, did not meditate. <laughs> but what I loved was thinking about thoughts, um, thinking about how you're, you know, do you, when you're thinking, are you thinking like a movie? Are you seeing artwork? Are you rehearsing dialogue? Um, are you, how are you thinking in there? And I thought, wow, that's amazing. I never thought how, how I perceive thoughts. I never thought about categorizing thoughts, emotions, feelings. So that's what drew me to the meditation teacher training. I knew that I had to practice more meditation because I just liked reading about it. And I knew that I had to really dive in. And the best way I think to learn something is to teach it because it forces you because your students are better than you are. So you've got to, you've got to level up quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was the meditation that started that. I, I'm trying to think, though, I assume a lot of accountants, a lot of lawyers, maybe some architects fall, are, have those, follow those professions because mummy and daddy think that's a good idea. It's the sort of thing they can brag to their mates about at dinner parties and so on. So if the yoga started from meditation, where did the meditation idea come from? Why, why not just be an accountant is what I'm saying. Why pursue this sort of alternative path? Um, I think that you have to let yourself come out. And for me, the yoga and meditation is like my personality coming out. And I feel like for a lot of people, I think this is why it's popular. Through the yoga and meditation, you find the real you. And yeah. so that's why that happened. I had to, you know, it was going to happen sooner or later. And, the other and thing, because course, I am it's my retirement plan. I thought, what if I lose um, 
my hands, my, you know, my body? Um, what if everything's giving up? I've got nothing. Meditation teacher. If I had, still have my voice. So it was my retirement plan. Paul's dying to jump in. I can't wait to hear about this. Go, go on. I, actually, it's, it's interesting I, when you just mentioned that. I, I The last little house I did was renovation for a lady in her 80s. We had to, we did a yoga room, which has all the, the things on the wall so that she can, you know, hang there off the wall, you know, and she's in her 80s. And she's a really interesting person. She actually, uh, she was a, a, um, a nun for many years and then she worked for the police. Oh, and then, um, and then, uh, then they, she married and she moved, they moved to, um, the business that they they bought uh, was founded in Amish country in in the states. So they lived with the Amish for seven or eight years. So, but yeah, she's very much very very big into yoga, you know. And it's obviously keeping her her very young. Oh, I'm just interested in a um, sort of casting you back and what you were just talking there about, you know, what you're looking for. And back to this whole thing, I think is a sort of a question Chris put earlier. You know, did you find accounting boring? You know, like, what was there something, you know, were you running away from something? Did you need something extra? Or was it that you needed to find a way of bringing creativity into your life and then it balanced it? You know what I mean? Um, my accountant for many years used to, uh, he, he owns a big cattle property and he does a lot of metal sculpture with found objects. Um, and that was his outlet, you know. You know, anyone in business wants, you know, a, a creative accountant to a degree, but you only get too creative, otherwise you end up in jail, you know. So I don't know if, if that question makes sense, but, you know, because, you know, we're really looking to see, you know, how people do bring creativity into their work life. So what, what do you think before and after, I suppose, you went down this journey? Yeah, so I don't think um, I found accounting boring because I still don't find it boring. I don't have to teach accounting anymore, but I like it and I really feel that accounting was the right choice for me I feel like it gave me a lot of confidence, um, knowing about numbers. I feel like it was definitely the right choice, and that's why I like teaching it. I wouldn't teach something that I thought was boring or that was not useful. So I really believe in accounting, and I, I feel like I'll be part of the accounting community for many years because I, I think like an accountant too, and so it's really nice um, to be surrounded by other people who also think similar I think what was missing um, when I was doing my accounting job, like the financial reports, is the body. I feel like I needed to do something creative with the body because a lot of the time I was sitting at my desk. So that was the only missing element from that job that um, I couldn't sort of stretch out my body or move my body creatively. And so that was that's what drew me as well. And also experiment with the voice, having like a relaxing voice with meditation, thinking about the thoughts, recognising feelings and how that's impacting you in the workplace. If you went back into mainstream accounting at the moment, like just imagine yourself, can you imagine what your what would be different? Like how, how you would, you know, be different in, a, in an office working for clients, either with people around you or with, with your clients? Do you, do you think you would... You know, how would you bring in this sort of new insights into your uh, into your work if it was back into a, a nine to five sort of thing? Yeah, good question. So I think if I came back nine to five as, you know, a financial accountant like I was earlier, I think I wouldn't take things quite as personally. And because I feel like now I know the energy that I'm giving off um, so I can recognize, oh, I'm feeling really frustrated and that's probably come up, coming off in my voice and then that is going to affect the mood in that meeting. 
So I think I would be a little bit more uh, more perceptive of moods and how what impact that has during meetings and through decision making. And also, I think that you can create a mood a bit easier, like because when I'm teaching accounting, I'm teaching accounting, and when I'm teaching yoga, I have to create a mood very quickly and adjust. So I feel like when I'm meeting clients or when I'm um, sort of taking charge of a meeting or just being a person in a meeting, I feel like I can move the mood up a little bit and also be a bit more perceptive. Whereas before I was just attending meetings and listening. Would you would you bring it in? Like, you know, would you would you be the person that's, you know, Camille's, you know, Monday lunchtime yoga class or, you know, would you get your clients doing a bit of, you know, a stretch in the middle of a longer meeting or, you know, would you be that overt, you think? <laughs> um, if they wanted to. A lot of my clients are accounting firms. So right, a lot of okay. Yeah, so I, I do, do that a lot with accounting uh, companies, hotels, um, recruitment firms as well. Yeah. I'm just sort of thinking in terms of, you know, teaching is the whole thing about, you know, teaching someone, you know, to fish or teaching someone how to make the fishing rod. And so you're teaching them how to do it, but also if you're trying to inspire the world, are you also teaching them how to bring this, you know, how to make it acceptable in, you know, in, in standard in corporate business? Uh, so anyway, I was just, yeah, it's just, it's very, it's a very good, very good answer. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, that's um, that's true, Paul. Like to get it mainstream. So a lot of the younger people, um, or people of more like junior ranks as well, often asking, "How can I get this assigned off by the head people, the departments?" So a lot of it comes from the workers really want it, and then they're trying to think of how, what language can I use to get it approved. Cam, you run a fascinating business called the Monday Mind. Because I think that sounds like the, the connection between accountancy and yoga. It's, it's kind of a mental health, mental awareness, mental resilience. So tell us more about Monday Mind. I think it's a really interesting idea. Yes. So my corporate meditation school is called Monday Mind. And it's because I couldn't believe that everybody hates Mondays. And I thought, wow, that's one-seventh of your whole life. You know, you're just going to hate that one day the whole life. And so I think if you really hate Mondays that much, like it's time to change your job or change your outlook because you can't hate one-seventh of your whole life just because of that day of the week. And I've been on a holiday before that went too long. I don't know. I know everyone is begging for a holiday, and but for me it went for too long and I missed having a to-do list and feeling productive and feeling helpful. Because when you're on a holiday, you really can't, you're not helping that many people, just helping yourself for a little bit, maybe a bit of tourism, a bit of economy. But I missed it. And so for me, a Monday mind is having a fresh mind, getting excited about your job, getting excited about helping people, putting up that to-do list, ticking off a few items. And so that's why I wanted um, Monday mind to be about having uh, meditation and yoga and looking forward to work. Uh, so I, I love that concept. Um, as you know, I've had in my own campaign. It's called Be More Friday, which is the same logic, but with the opposite answer, which is let's, let's pretend that Monday is a Friday and then let's work our way through it. So I think we've, we've identified the same insight but come up with different solutions. <laughs> I can see there's an opening in the market here. I have to be uh, something about Tuesday to Thursday. <laughs> you can have Tuesday, Tuesday Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> it's the middle. It's the middle bit that's important, you know. So uh, there's a couple of things actually, and it's probably what you're doing. But I know that in some of the 
stuff that I've been told about, you know, if you want to sell aromatherapy to corporates, you can't sell them aromatherapy. What you can do is you can sell them stress relief and then once you're in there, then you can flog them some aromatherapy. So do you have a similar sort of approach? Are you selling them, you know, stress relief and then you're in there going, right, put your liker on? Um, <laughs> um, no, I mean, we are creative and um, I often I tailor it to the client. So we've done James Bond yoga Swan Lake yoga, Star Wars yoga. We do whatever people like. They just tell me what theme they like and then I'll theme it. So I come up with mudras or the breathing exercises. We put the music on. So I guess I, I sell them stress relief, but then often I'm bringing teamwork and creativity. Do you think the same applies to creativity? Uh, 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 Paul and I have chatted about the idea that creativity is a slightly scary concept in business because it's disruptive and, and creative people are difficult to manage. So you shouldn't actually try selling businesses creativity. Maybe you sell them innovation or you sell them resilience. And then what you go in and do is something about creativity, but you don't package it that way. What do you think from your perspective as someone who's seen the very rigid world of accountancy? Is, is creative a scary word? Oh, no, I think it's fun and it's exciting. I mean, we're all creative every day anyway, just constructing an email, stock images. Like that's a huge yeah. element of creativity. Which stock images are you going to use? How are you going to present your spreadsheet? Like there's so many creative decisions. And when I was working in accounting, if we ever got offered a workshop on something fun, we were starved. We were like, when, when, you know, um, yeah. we were just starved for it. I have a, I'm very interested in that answer because I have a, uh, a process that I've been talking to you know accounting firm about and uh, it is uh, getting them to paint a bowl of lemons and so in watercolour, you know, which and I, and I did it with a financial planner who told me afterwards he hadn't picked up a paintbrush since he was six and he, he did a pretty good bowl of lemons. I, I've got a bit of a process for showing people how to do this and um, he was so excited, you know, but I... I just wonder, uh, you know, if I have a group of um, 10 executive, the executive team around a table and going, right, first up, because, you know, my thing is about, you know, it's about approaching that fear, you know, and I, I couldn't do this, I can't do this, you know. So do you have, uh, should, I be, should I be selling them painting a bowl of lemons or should I be selling them something else? <laughs> oh, I think the dream, you know, the, the bowl of lemons is great. I mean, if they have that beautiful finish. I remember we had a um, team building exercise where we had to shoot uh, colours onto paint, but it was, you know, those balloon things. So the oh, whole yeah, yeah. thing went, but people forgot the fundamentals where if you throw rainbow colours, it ends up brown. And so the accounting team went nuts for it because the session went two hours and people threw a million colours and everyone's turned out brown. <laughs> Oh, your point's really important that not everybody aspires to be a great artist. A lot of people might be scared of painting anything. But if you package what you've got as a way of confronting fear, when we all have fears in different ways, shapes and forms, and you can say, I've got this little experiment which we can confront a particular fear. It's not, it's, you know, we're not going to put people on the spot or embarrass them, but we're going to try something that, that to them may seem scary and prove that, they, that their, their fear isn't half as justified as they might think. And then if that's true, then it might be true here and it might be true and you can build your confidence. So it seems to be very logical to say that this, this session is about helping people overcome fear and becoming braver. Um, I happen to do it with a bowl of lemons and a paintbrush, but it could be, you know, something completely different. 
I was really inspired when I was um, an accountant. I went to the drawing, um, it's called the Drawing Center in New York City. And there was just pen, like pen and paper. And it was amazing, the beautiful drawings that were out there. And I thought that's so inspiring because us office workers are using pen and paper every day. And yeah, those kind of doodles that you do just in a meeting or while you're listening to someone on the telephone, like they can be powerful artwork, uh, good enough to be framed. And it also, the exhibition that I saw was about professionals who had a day job. And so it was really inspiring to see people with a day job and, and it was written on funny pieces of paper, like the librarian, one, one person was a librarian and so had done beautiful artworks on library cards. Another person was an engineer and had done um, amazing like shapes using some sort of engineering paper, I'm not sure. But it was really cool to see how all that works. Oh, you've been got me thinking about the fact that maybe creatives need that something else to kind of feed their creativity. I mean, we all, Paul and I both have, I don't have day jobs, but we work with, with businesses to help them become more creative. And it, it's a business thing. And then there's this artistic side, which is much more of a personal thing. But maybe we, it's vital we have those to feed off each other. And, and if we, became, I don't know about you, Paul, but if you became a full-time artist, would it be like having that holiday that goes too long? And you kind of go, well, I'm not doing anything there. Maybe we all need those two things to to keep feed one feeds off the other and vice versa. What do you think, Paul? Would you become a full time artist if you could? Or maybe you could. Uh. Well look I, I I you know I've been a fairly serious artist in the past, but you know, I always had my architectural firm. I like variety. Um, I sort of think back to like Camille, uh, you know, if she got very good at it, you know, she could be a swami somewhere sitting by herself as a guru, but it's a people thing, you know. So what I like is, you know, I certainly love to create, but I also love to inspire people, you know, to create. And I like that interaction. And uh, being art an artist, you know, is very solid, solitary. I say when I did it 10 years ago, I don't think Instagram really well, it probably did um, exist, but, you know, it wasn't a mainstream. I certainly enjoy, as you probably do, Chris, as well, uh, the, you know, the interaction you get by posting things on Instagram. So, you know, like, uh, look, I, I, I couldn't, in fact, my, my goal is, you know, that, you know, either when, you know, people get sick of my message or, you know, I get sick of talking to people, but, you know, in 10 or 12 years' time, I fade away from the, you know, the, the corporate scene and just, you know, become a full-time artist until I... You know, until I can't. <laughs> what about Paul? What about Camille's point about the real you? That that you you made I thought a really profound point that meditation and that finally helps you understand the real you and maybe come to terms with that. And I'm guessing here that photography and or painting are are kind of akin to that, and they help you discover about yourself. Uh, what do you think? So even if you let's say you're a dedicated business professional but having that meditation art thing is a self-discovery thing yeah i think um my workshops are often called stress management but it's so much more it's actually self-expression and the tools that you use to manage your stress that the ones that you select that is your self-expression and so you need some sort of creativity, some sort of outlet, some way to express yourself. And that relieves your stress. And so that's why mm. sometimes I'm frustrated because people say, oh, everyone should do this breathing exercise. But we shouldn't all become drones, you know, or this is going to fit everybody. 
this one meditation, this one yoga stretch, you know, it's this is for you. It's not. It's about seeing some some different formats and then choosing one that fits the real you and then discarding it, you know. I hate it when people feel guilty that they haven't meditated. It's because the, whatever the meditation style they're doing, it's not fun anymore. It's not for them. Like, get rid of it. Don't feel bad. Move on. Um, it's really <laughs> when people feel so guilty. You don't feel guilty about not watching TV or not finishing that program. So who cares? Move on. You, should, you, you say to them, just don't think about it. <laughs> but I, look, I think what you what you just said there, like it is so true and, and you know, uh, Chris was, you know, possibly leading the leading the witness, but uh, look, it rings so true for me. Uh, and and my thing, I, I've been fairly expressive my whole life, but you know, as I get on, I, I I find you know a greater and greater desire to be more and more expressive and try different ways. And I do it through writing and speaking and my art. Um, and and I think it's so true. And it's great to see as young as yourself, you know, with that you know great desire and drive to do that. And, 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 and hopefully, you know, inspiring others to do the same. And I think in this, you know, post-COVID world, it's probably a great opportunity because, you know, people have time to think about who they really are. And, uh, and I also love that thing about, yeah, look, if it's not for you, find something else. And that's very much what I've done my, my whole life. Um, you know, just do what feels right uh, for yourself, you know, to, to be who you are, you know, and you turn out to be this accounting y- yoga person. Yeah. yeah who knew you create the job that, um, that you want you know like I think when when you have a passion the job's going to happen and so the, the world will make room for you if that's what you really want and if you'll just bulldoze through um, if other people don't perceive you that way because I think a big problem in accounting is um, people think that if they build up one's another skill that is going to mean that their accounting skill is less. So if you're an amazing rugby player, then you're probably not a great accountant. But <laughs> not like that anymore. It's um, you know, an Olympian can be amazing at some other sport because those skills just they complement each other. Like you're building up skills, even if it's in a different domain. Those skills are going to pop out somewhere else. So I think that world's moved on, and we're not all on train tracks anymore, and that careers. Are jumping around everywhere, so and I'm really relieved about that. Mm, that's uh, that's a that's a great insight. That's a great insight. I agree with you. I'm, I'm kind of really relieved about that. There's not a question of you, know, that you have, basically have a lot more opportunity to kind of discover yourself and kind of do what you want to do rather than do what society expects of you or you know to to climb this particular ladder that someone else has told you to climb. Yeah, I agree with you. And um, I think you bring those professional skills into your creativity. So there's that author, um, David Baldacki. I'm not sure if I pronounce his name right, but he's a lawyer and he's also a novelist. He's written a book called Redemption and uh, quite a few others. So his legal training helps his books, you know, creates that accuracy because he's, the way he perceives the world is going to be different. You know, I'm... I'm- Sometimes I'm frustrated with myself, but you're, you're absolutely right. When I, when I do a big photo shoot, I write myself a brief and I, I kind of make it very I set in advance what success looks like. And I work on my team and communication skills with the models I work with. And I'm thinking, 
this is my day job informing the way I do my photography. And it started out as a release as an escape from that. And here I am using the tools from my day job on my photography. So yeah, makes perfect sense all of that. I think we've got some profound insights from you, Kavil. I've, I've written down my retirement plan. You're thinking about the real you and being able to be the real you. And, and uh, I mean, I'm looking at a few wrinkles on Paul's face. I hope you don't mind my saying that. There's definitely some wrinkles on my face. Camille, I suspect you're slightly younger than both Paul and I. And so it's really inspiring to hear you thinking in that way, thinking long-term ahead. Um, I'm not seeing any wrinkles thanks. on anyone. It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. My 21st birthday is coming up very soon. <laughs> mine, smile, mine, mine are smile, smile lines, Chris. Uh, ah, okay. <laughs> So thank you so much for joining us, Camille. Anybody that's interested in the Monday Mind, it's themondaymind.com.au. What's the website? Yeah, mondaymind.com. Mondaymind.com. And that's the way to get corporate yoga or meditation into your workplace. Yeah, I've got some um, free meditations there too. So I've got 10 meditations like hip-hop meditation, chocolate meditation. Yeah, a whole list, superhero meditations. I've written them all out there just for some fun. Did I hear that right? Chocolate meditation. Yes. I'm sold. Yes. I'm sold. <laughs> Me too. Thanks a lot, Camille. It's been an absolute uh, delight to speak to you. And uh, thank you. Thank you for your time today. It's been great. My to pleasure. our listeners, thanks for listening in too. We'll see you next week. <laughs>